0: Greyhound, to trap one, over. Trap one, go ahead,
1: Greyhound. Over. Welcome to the Trap One podcast. I'm Mark. On today's episode, I'm delighted to have two of the creators of the Twelfth Doctor fan audios with us. Um, if you guys like to introduce yourself.
0: Hello. Um, yeah, I'm Andrew. Andrew Davis. Um, I'm the head writer and um, lead for the series.
2: Hello, I'm Mark Lovers Larity and I write I co-write the soundtrack and score for the twelfth Doctor Fan audios under the pen name Dylan O'Hara, alongside Jack Guidera and Aaron, who goes by the name Studio Gallatre, who are not with us but are very good. Yes, that is very wonderful.
1: Fantastic. So so how did the project come about in the first place?
0: Um so, yeah, story behind that. We all, of us, um, had worked previously on a, an entirely separate um, 12th Doctor fan project that had kind of um, fell through due to... um a disagreement. gas leak. Yeah, due to a gas leak, to use the community reference to be a little more specific. Um, yeah, due to uh, um, falling out with the... Um, lead actor and creator of that project who, without wanting to go into details that, you know, are personal to a lot of people, upsets a lot of people um, yes. and we um, but a lot of us um, myself and Lofus and um, people like Kevin Bernard who edits the series now who um, stepped up to take over as editor of the series and um, and Guillaume Bebet who um, previously voiced like some monster voices and has done um, in this project as well and has now stepped up to do a fantastic job as, like, the Doctor in um, this project. So um, kind of wanted to keep working together, basically, keep making Doctor Who podcasts together in spite of the way the previous project ended. So we kind of, yeah, rebranded our kind of um, collaboration as um, the 12th Doctor Fan Audio. And it's been, yeah, it's been a much more positive experience, I think, working on this one, which has been really nice, actually, After, yeah, after where we started. Yes, uh, and I would like to confirm that where uh, the person that we worked with
2: previously was a very objectionable person, uh, Andrew is just in a completely different league and has been an absolute dream to work with. Oh, that's very kind. You've you've been much the same. It's been yeah. <laughs> thank you.
1: That's great to hear. And and the production values are incredible. Obviously, the first episode's mm-hmm. out now. Um, it's it's yeah incredibly well put together. Um, mm. And as you mentioned, um, Guillaume who's the voice of the Twelfth Doctor, is um, fantastic. Mm. At, I think at creating, recreating the essence of, of the of the Twelfth Doctor, mm. and I think quite specifically mm. the Doctor between uh, Series Nine and Ten. Mm. Yes, that's very much what we're going for. Um, yeah, the episode
0: does, um, in the story, ultimately place it. It's the Doctor comes into that story just after, um, yeah, after the Husbands of River Song, but before. As it were, the events of extremeness where he goes to pick up um, Missy um, yeah, and kind of rescue her and take her to the vaults um, and St. Luke's, um, and yeah, no, I yeah, that's it's it's kind of a period I like writing Twelve, and once he's kind of thawed out a lot, and we kind of see how he's adjusted to the growth that he's been through in series eight and nine, basically. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, well, he's, he's, you know, he's still crotchety old 12. He's still, you know, uh, um, yeah, the things that are kind of fun to play with in that side of the character, but also he's, you know, warmed up a lot as well. And he's kind of opened up emotionally a lot more. Um, And I think, yeah, like you say, Guillaume plays that wonderfully. I think he plays it with a real emotional intelligence and he captures, I think, a real... The range of like 12's performance in that the um, the lighter moments the um, yeah he's great for capturing the pitter patter of twelve in his voice as well as a, yeah. as well as a sort of gravelly um, Scottishness of it and that's that's great
1: definitely and and you say it's before the doctor has met Nardole or, or been reunited with Nardole mm. um, so you've created a new companion in Ella Allen yes. Mm, mm. Yes, it's, um, yeah, Ella was, um, yeah, I think part part
0: of that is, um, yeah, when you're trying to create a fan audio series, um, you can find plenty of doctor doctor, um, impressionists out there. There are less companion um, impressionists, which is a bit of a shame, but also it gives you the chance to do the um, thing that... um, People like Big Finish often do where they, um, you know, they brought in, say, Evelyn Smythe for the Sixth Doctor or um, Charlie Pollard for the Eighth Doctor, you know. Um, it gives you a chance to play with new companions and um, see what those characters can bring out of the Doctor and um, what um, the Doctor can bring to their story. And Yeah, Ella was um, a chance to, um, yeah, kind of bring that side of things to the character, to the series, I suppose. Yeah, and I would like to speak a little bit to this uh i
2: often think of what moffat says around the time Mm -hmm. that series seven was coming out during the press junkets and stuff which is that when you're writing the new doctor who companion you don't want to think of it in terms of who's the new doctor who companion going to be you need to think of it in terms Mm of okay this guy is an alien who is clearly mental what kind of a person would you have to be to hop in the box <laughs> and go off on an adventure with them? Where yes. would you have to be in your life? And I think that Andrew came up with, like, a very intuitive and compelling character for that, because... Uh, uh, do you want to talk a bit about Ella? Not to guide the conversation, but uh, Ella's no, 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 yeah. That's kind of... Yeah I, yeah, I definitely wanted to go there. I just didn't want to be talking, you know, nonstop for several minutes equally. Sure.
0: It's, um, but yes, it's... So Ella... Well, yeah, I think, I suppose where I started with the idea for the character was um, El in her um, writing in her series TARDIS Seruditorum has this um, lovely thing that she talks about kind of um, how the TARDIS crew and the original TARDIS crew, I think it is when she's writing about that era, how they literally fall out of the world in the TARDIS, basically. And the concept for Ella, I think it's the line I used in the um, synopsis he's a synopsis for Christmas alone, was, um, you know, Ella herself is about to fall out of the world anyway. She's, you know, um, struggling to pay rent, living, um, you know, working a minimum wage job. She's, you know, she's failed at school, basically, you know, not as a reflection for lack of intelligence, but just because the education isn't tailored to a person like her. She's gone through a lot of... Um, losses so she's pushed everyone away personally and so she's like i said she's falling out of the world as it is and you know in a way in a way you know the doctrine the tardis life is a way back in or but it's also kind of a way um out for yeah it's it's kind of like takes her out of the world and in a different way as it were so it's a lifeline for her but it's also kind of taking her on that path a bit more in some ways as well and that's kind of an interesting thing to play with i think
2: Yeah. My view of the series so far is that it's essentially Ella's story that, Mm. uh, you know, it's a Doctor Who fan series, but because it's set essentially between episodes, the Doctor has, you know, he has his emotional journey, but it's much more about Mm. Ella and it's kind of like using the framework of Doctor Who to be a story about this person. Mm.
0: Yes, I'd, I'd agree with that definitely. It's, um, that's definitely what I was going for when I was writing the series and when I was designing it. Was what's I think again going back to the Stephen Moffat quote, like um, like um, Lofer's just mentioned, the. Um, that um, the um, Stephen Moffat quote about how you'd have to be a bit loopy to travel with the Doctor. What kind of person would want to travel with the Doctor? Um, Moffat has a, another quote about the, like who the main character of Doctor Who is and um, Yes, the Doctor's technically the main character. They're they're one of the main characters, but you know because it's called Doctor. Um, you know, the response is always, it's called Doctor Who. It's, you know, Doctor Who is the main character, but there's Doctor Who is a question. There's someone asking that question all the time. And in this case, that would be, um, you know, that's the companion, you know. Um, and, you know, they're, they're co-leads. It's, you know, both their story and, you know, um, the Doctor's, you know, the Doctor's the one who introduces us to this, you know, to the world of adventures in the TARDIS, but the companion's always the one who... Um, is, you know, being changed by those adventures and is always, you know, is going on that journey and comes out of it a very different person at the end of their time on the show, I think. Whereas the Doctor being the constant throughout the show is just always on it to a certain degree. So they always have to play the same role in the narrative, even as they can change and grow.
1: I think absolutely i remember the um, elizabeth sladen quote um as well about the companion when she talks about mm. why would anybody um kind of uh, go through all the uh you know having, having your mind taken over and being kidnapped and, and and in her case kind of blinded and all, and all sorts of different things and yeah. it, it comes down to well to be with your best friend um and, and mm. to travel with your best friend and that's um in in the in Christmas Alone, which is the, the first episode, it, it really comes across that Ella, like you say, she's pushed everyone away, doesn't really have any friends, or, or she's pushing her friends away, and, and the doctor uh, fulfills that role for her. It's,
3: it's yeah. a great first story. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Yeah,
0: I had some. I, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing it. I think it's also, like, but I think so much of the strength does come from a wonderful cast as well and a wonderful, like, sound editor in Kevin Bernard, who, um, yeah, sadly couldn't join us for this call, but, um, yeah, he really just, like, put so much attention to detail and just created a really beautiful soundscape for it, and it just sounds really crisp and really well-realised. Um, yeah, like, and... Um, yeah, Loafers and Jack and um, Aaron just, yeah, wrote a really wonderful um, score to it that I think just is Christmassy and haunting and um, kind of, yeah, and it's, yeah, while it's very Doctor who there's a lot of really original music in there that I think really gives the thing its own identity, its own musical identity. And yeah, just the core cool performances from Will and um, from Laura Selwood as um, Ella, they those two are just astonishing together. Like, yeah, they're, they're never in the, same, you know, they never recorded in the same room. Obviously, it's all recorded remotely, but like, they just, yeah, they just bounce off each other so wonderfully, and it just bring the characters and their chemistry to life,
2: and it's wonderful. Yeah, uh, I can speak a little bit to the process of uh, composing for that episode, mm. which was uh, uh, that was mainly between myself and Jack. Uh, uh, oh, there's. There's a bit from Aaron that's on the mm. Bandcamp release as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I said, most of the story is about Ella Allen rather than the Doctor. So we do have little instances of the Doctor's themes, and those have been well received. But most of it is about like uh, trying to get this kind of creepy tone to it, because it's an unusual christmas episode in that uh it, it's a very very christmas everyone fuck you kind of a situation <laughs> but uh yeah uh but uh yeah because it's not a tv show we don't have to hit that kind of like uh aggressively cheerful tone and we can mm-hmm. go someplace a bit darker for it especially in a uh, covid era and uh, which is why it's called christmas alone and uh, it's kind of about like uh People like Ella who have cut themselves off from the people around them—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's something that very much arises out of what Ella's whole character journey is meant to be. So, in that respect, it's kind of my approach to writing the music for when Ella and the Doctor are going around London and like mm-hmm. getting to know each other for the first time. It's a lot about the setting. It's a lot about that like sense of isolation and alienation, and kind of an anxiety about the urban space and uh kind of one of the one of the first things that i wrote when i was brought on first was like just figuring out exactly what Ella's theme is going to be and like Mm. figuring that out it works in counterpoint with 12's theme it goes through the same chord progressions which isn't something that we've like leaned on yet
0: because uh, my 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 dumbass brain has only just realized that blimey
2: Oh, like, it's not meant to be super obvious. Mm. But, yeah, it, it does yeah. go through the same chord progressions. That's, nice. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just that, like, it's... What Andrew said that he wanted from the theme was, like, this sense of melancholy to it and, like, the sense of anger underneath it, but also that it can work in heroic moments as well. And, like, I went through a couple different versions of it, and I, I think what we've arrived at is something really good and it's not something that we're slamming like constantly and a sort of you know not to rag on something that's been bragged on many times over the course of the decade. but it's not like the murray gold i am the doctor situation where it's playing every time she opens her mouth uh but hopefully by the time the whole series has played out it's something that kind of like sticks with people through like the different uh, repetitions and developments of it and like we i and uh Jack and Iron and I can like develop it in different ways that suit the tones of different scenes and the different points in her journey.
0: Yeah, uh, it's um, oh, it's, it's a shame. I do I do like I am the Doctor. It is a brilliant composition, but yeah, it it does get played a lot over the course of the eleventh Doctor. It's season. one
2: bar. <laughs> it, 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 it's one bar, and it's just it just loops. That's the problem, and it's it's very high up.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, no it's um, loafers has yeah, been wonderful for like trying to you know give a nice wide range to the score and make sure there's you know it's got that variety in some um, which is great um sometimes i do just have to tell them to like um yeah it, it's okay you know tell loafers and um jack it, it is okay to reuse pieces guys you can <laughs> yeah, you know,
2: yeah, make your yeah, exactly work easier that. sometimes for, like, working smarter not harder but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but, yeah it's I'm, I'm they've, eventually they've, allowing myself to get there.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're getting there, but it's um, yeah, I think um, yeah, that was and yeah, they just did touch on a thing that I you know was important to me when I was writing the story, which was finding a new angle for a Christmas Doctor Two story because there have been an awful lot of them over the years now, and yeah, the I think that's why they song. stopped making them. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I wanted to. Okay, I mean, and one was just okay. So we we're doing a series opener set at Christmas. They haven't really done that before. You know, the closest you got is probably the Christmas Invasion, which is sort of a de facto series opener for series two in its own way. Um, but. Yeah, what I wanted to do with um, yeah Christmas alone was tell. Well, essentially the premise is what if um, what if your what if it was shit? What what's it like for a person who has a shit Christmas? Basically, what's it like to be someone who has who is the worst person to be at Christmas? Basically, um, you know, and you know, um, a minimum wage worker in McDonald's. I mean, I I had to spend a Christmas working in McDonald's. It really does suck. It's the worst. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, you know, it's yeah. I mean, that was that was one Christmas during the one year I spent working there. It's you know, um, yeah, I was relatively lucky compared to compared yeah. someone who that's like something they have to do every year. But um, yeah, it's no, it's um, yes. Yeah, so, well, that did mean that did mean I had something to draw on for the early scenes. Of Bella at work in the McDonald's and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some. Um, the bit with um where um alan who's played with um lovely warmth by Mm -hmm. ben padden um and so we brought them back we brought ben back later in the series to play a villain because they played the part (laughs) with such um wonderful warmth um but now it's um yeah it's um yeah like of yeah of um alan comforting a Worker who's crying into the lettuce was may or may not have been based on my own experiences of particularly I'm so sorry. Shift. <laughs> I don't think I quite ended up crying into the lettuce, but I wanted to. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, did you yeah, burn the chicken yeah. nuggets? <laughs> yeah I, I definitely did burn the chicken nuggets that was yeah that was a oh, thing I'm that's so happened sorry you get the times wrong it happens um and then you end up falling way behind um because everyone wants flipping chicken nuggets and they want yeah. the 50 boxes who wants 50 chicken nuggets i don't understand i've gone <laughs> on topic. of
2: the chicken nuggets wait we're both vegetarian what do i do <laughs> <for>? <laughs> yeah it's true it's true um
1: did we learn uh, nothing from jamie oliver
0: I I do love that clip of um, Jamie Oliver just um, the kids um, reacting to Jamie Oliver making a a chicken nugget being utterly grossed out but then when he's made it look all lovely and it's um, golden batter and stuff they're like He's like, who, who still eat it? And they all put their hands yeah. up, and his face and just falls. It's because I mean, he's being so self-important about it. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not wasting the chicken, you know. If you're gonna, you know, like for said, we're both vegetarians, but you know, if, if you're gonna eat meat, I think you know, don't don't waste the animal you've killed. Um, <laughs> uh, again, going off topic, um, but yeah, the um, yeah, the idea of. Um, yeah, like um, yeah, like I said, uh, yeah, it gives you something to explore, I think, and yeah, like you touch on like again the Reapers' victims in that story. The other um, characters that um, yeah, the Wretches who get killed off at various points, there are other people who've um, been um, targeted because they're alone at Christmas and they're having you know they're also having awful time with it for various other reasons, not just for the types of reasons Ella does, because they're divorced and lonely, because they're homeless, because they're um yeah, because they're Stuck in a bad health, mental he- bad place, mental health-wise. Um, you know, that's um, those are kind of like the ideas you wanted to explore. That for some people, Christmas isn't a time of togetherness and love as it's kind of pushed us. You know, I wanted to try and tell something that's more in the register of a dark and spooky Christmas story. At some um, yes. Yeah, exploring those things because yeah, that that's a mode of Christmas story too that Dog 2 sort of touches on in say the Snowman and Last Christmas, but um, yeah, generally it goes and for the. Voyage of the pop- Damned. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that one's that's a that's a fascinating one. Voyage <laughs> of the Damned, because it does go very very dark, but it's kind of this big disaster movie aesthetic means it's still kind of broad popcorn entertainment. I think you know. Yes. But yeah, so yeah, it does touch on those in some specials, but it does generally go for
2: the big populist entertainment, I
3: think. But, yeah, yeah, I think
2: Christmas alone has a better grasp on its tone than Voyage of the Damned. <laughs> Not to put you on a pedestal above Russell and Davies, <laughs> but I think you, you have that in particular down this time. Oh, that's very kind.
1: Yeah. So what made uh, you start with the Christmas episode? Was that um, to sort of emulate a series, um, kind of starting with a um, with Christmas and going into a series? Um, you know, kind of given that it's set after... Um, a Christmas mm. special in husbands of River Song.
0: Um, I'll be honest, that wasn't the main thing that was on my mind when I was um, writing it. I think, yeah, we. I think it was more like had an 18-month production window due to various complications that happened along the way um, some of which I alluded to earlier it's um like yeah we've ended up having to change our plans somewhat and slow down production but like the hope had been to get like 12 episodes done in 18 months and 18 months kind of fell to rough, or a year and a half and that you know fell with, like Christmas being the opening release date basically being a good time to kind of start the series um and obviously like it ended up being, we had to do Christmas alone released on its own more as a pilot episode than like first episode and then like weekly release or something like that. But, um, we still, yeah, we, you know, obviously like it was a Christmas episode by the time we'd written it and recorded it and were in the production process. (laughs) So it had to be released at Christmas, but, um, yeah, I think it came together as a nice way to start a series actually. And, um, yeah, a nice opener basically.
2: Yeah. I think it totally works as an opener. Uh, And I think also it might work out as a good idea to not come out with like an hour long episode of a fan audio every week for 12 weeks. I think that people might fall a little bit behind. Yes, Uh, I agree.
1: And you mentioned before you've got a great villain in the Reaper, um, who at first I thought was going to be Missy. Was that um, kind of a a deliberate kind of misdirect?
0: That wasn't intentional. So first draft of the script, the Reaper was male. Um... Interest yeah, like, interestingly. Um and yeah, it was yeah, when I was looking for things to change, I felt like it felt a bit too cliche when I was writing that. I got a note from someone else saying maybe try the reaper as being cast as a woman and so I tried that and I was um you know, there wasn't much to change in the redraft, so I just flipped the pronouns around for the most part. Um and yeah, like I um I didn't <laughs> I didn't realise I'd written a Moffat Dom until I heard Rose Dirk's <laughs> performance as the Reaper. And she played it as a Moffat Dom. I was like, oh right, that's that's what this role is, basically. Um, yeah, Working out some shit live. <laughs> <laughs> it's um but no, she um yeah, she's absolutely fantastic in the role. I think so much of it comes from her performance. Like the character is meant to be someone who Praise on people's insecurities and, um, you know, needles away. You know, she she basically just low key nags Ella for a lot of the story, really. It's true. Um, yeah, and um, you know, it's um, I don't know if yeah, because once again, we've got a you've got a central character who's got a lot of self doubts, so a lot of self hatred, and so the Reaper character is meant to kind of draw on that and kind of you know, it's a chance to you know, the villain becomes a way to explore the protagonists um in our um kind of um introduce her set of conflicts her the ways that she's pushing people away the um yeah the um issues she's working through internally um and make those things the story basically um, yeah and it helps you do a kind of very small scale personal story which helps with um when you're working on a fan audio because Generally, yeah, because it means you don't have to go too big in terms of cast and yeah, crew and stuff. It means you can keep it within what you can achieve because the stakes for the story aren't the world's going to end. Because um, the, you know the Doctor's got to stop the world ending in an alien invasion. It's just um, the Doctor has to save one person, the companion, um, which I think makes the story a bit more workable as well. But, um, yeah, yeah. So those, those are the kind of the ideas I was playing with basically, and I think the moment the character clicked me and I was confident that they were going to work was just when I heard Rose Turk's performance though, because she's astonishing in the role, just really um, funny and dark and clever and it works really well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I also want to highlight Jack's theme, the motif that uh, he wrote for the Reaper, because that Mm. really nails the like, it's Christmas, but a villain and like creepy mm. and like really nails that down. And like a lot of the joy of it is that uh, a lot of the joy of composing for it is that myself and Jack especially, and like also Aaron, of course, it's just that Aaron isn't like as involved right now, uh, mm. but will come on more heavily later in the project. But, is, but Jack and I have a very hands-on process of like sending each other MIDIs back and forth of stuff that we've written so that we can rearrange each other's stuff for different contexts in different scenes. So, one of the first things that I wrote for the series was this thing of like taking Jack's theme for The Reaper and re- rearranging it into like this slower, bassier thing for when Ella is kind of in a dream space being nagged by The Reaper. And mm-hmm. also like working Christmas carols into it underneath. Uh, like uh, yeah. Carol Carl of the Bells" and stuff. Uh, I, that, that was a ton of fun. I was stoked for that.
0: Yeah, which one was it? Um, there was the bit where the Reaper sings "Most Wonderful Time of the Year," I believe. Yeah. Yes. Was it Jack wrote in that lovely musical touch of that, but like in minor, in a minor
2: key, wasn't it? Yes, I'm yes, like, yes. That, yes, that, that was Jack, and that was excellently course, yeah. done. And like getting the timings mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but uh, the 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 part for like the one scene I think that I wrote for the reaper being around who it, I worked, I made a point of like working in a bit, a bunch of Christmas carols underneath it. Uh, carol of the bells, the, uh, that, the one that goes like that. And also like, on bells as well. And then like also what was described back to me as, uh, dying robot dog version of Most Wonderful Time of the Year. <laughs> so, RIP canine. Or nine. <laughs>
1: okay, and that works really well with the character being sort of a, a dark reflection of uh, Father Christmas as well, with the, the kind of the list and everything, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: it's Yo, fun. I just got that. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> wow! Uh, oh, yeah. It's, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the reapers obviously like. Yeah, like a play on the Grim Reaper as a concept of yes. like, you know, it wasn't um, yeah, although like the character isn't literally meant to be the Grim Reaper. Realm. Yeah, that just hazily defined alien entity. We never learn the actual planet of origin from this. There's, there's something the... very Prisoner Zero that like, um, as <laughs> Moffat has a joking day the Doctor about how Prisoner Zero's plans never really were explained um, uh-huh. in the, the Doctor novelization. He makes a joke about that. Um, yeah. The fact that he's very hazy about um, where Prisoner Zero comes from, what exactly they intend to do um yeah it's um no yeah, like, yeah the,
2: no good presumably
0: yeah it's um, yeah no the um yeah but the um yeah i had you know like yeah yeah like you're right, I, yeah the um the christmas listing was like yeah that was a yeah, deliberate kind of christmas um codifier um christmas signifier that yes. i wanted to try and, um yeah and again that was actually um a suggestion of um kevin's in the, script edit, not the um, Christmas list, but the um, opening scene basically. I think the um, original opening scene was just a um, in the first draft was just uh, the first person the Reaper feeds on. I think that's the um, homeless guy Stephen, I believe. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and he yeah played by the lovely Dan Peck from the um, from the game of Raslan, which is um, yeah Dan and Dan Peck and. Um, Ben Padden, both from the game of Rasson, um, who we were linked up to by Kevin. It's a wonder, That's another wonderful fan podcast that I'd thoroughly recommend checking out. Um, they do like, um, Doctor Who as a tabletop RPG game, basically, um, with um, Riley Silverman um, uh, as a, a trans doctor, who um, and she's wonderful in the role. Um Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 all it's all really great fun, basically. I'd thoroughly recommend it. The concepts are really wonderfully invented. Um but anyway, um, yeah. Tangent again, but yeah. Um yeah, like all of the cast of that basically lent their considerable talents to um uh, to the little project and that's that's really lovely of them. Um so I thought I'd give them a shout out there. Um but yeah, anyway, um yeah, basically it was originally it was just going to be um, you know, that classic, you know, um villain kills a red shirt scene basically is like the um, title sting which which i think worked fine but kevin had the much better suggestion of doing the like um yeah highlights reel of ella's life before we um yeah before we cut to credits and i think that that just gave it that extra punch i think it's yeah
2: this is, I, why, I you could, to, this this is why you listen this is why you listen to your editors basically sorry to cross you but uh, i can say this because i had nothing to do with making it i think that's an absolutely beautiful opener i think it just comes across Mm -hmm. excellently like all the performances and the editing and like jack's score in particular is just like it's really iconic to me now
0: some yeah some yeah i was i was yeah i thought yeah i think yeah the moment i realized it yeah it's one of those things here yeah, you have several moments where you realize you're on something good. I think on something like this, and that just the moment you hear that, I I heard that scene. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm I'm really happy with this. Actually, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, because it's um, yeah. You go you go through several moments of despair as well, where uh-huh. like. When I'm reading my own scripts, I'm like, "Oh no! This this is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. What was I thinking? What was I on when I wrote this?" And oh, then, yeah, and then and then, you, then you hear of the actors delivering lines, and you hear the um, yeah, what the editors. That's that's the joy of collaborating on a project like this. I think yeah. you get to hear what Loafers, what um, Jack, what Aaron have done with the score, you hear what Kevin's done with the editing, you hear what the actors are doing with their performances and how they play off each other and how all those elements gel together and that's, yeah, that's, that's why it's really rewarding to work on a project like this I think
1: Fantastic, that seems like a good point to play a clip from Christmas Alone
3: You said you're a doctor A doctor of what? Everything Poetry and science Poetry and science
2: I was no good at either how can you be a doctor of both?
3: There I am. Everything rhymes. That's just nonsense. It is, but it's beautiful nonsense. Like life. And it's not my profession, strictly speaking. It's my name.
2: Your name's Doctor?
3: Doctor who? Yes. I mean, no, it's just the Doctor. Right. So when you were born and your mum was cradling you in her arms she looked up at your dad and said I know what he should be called our little baby doctor Well, no, it wasn't my given name I chose it It's sort of a promise for me to live up to to never be cruel and never be cowardly
2: A bit pretentious if you ask me People don't have to make promises
3: for things they can do easily Were you always able to keep it? Enough about my name Who are you? Ella. Ella Fitzalan. It's good to meet you, Ella Fitzalan.
1: Obviously, the theme tune um, isn't the, the TV theme tune from this era. Um, so how did you come up with the arrangement that you did for this series?
2: I didn't. Um, that was Jack. Okay. Sorry. That was Chuck. <laughs> uh, Jack. Jack loves rearranging the Doctor Who theme tune. He's done done it like easily upward of a dozen times. It's just something that he noodles away with a lot. And yeah, we had one, yeah, um, yeah. That, that
0: and yeah, he, we had that one sort of ready to go. We had to, um, I'll be honest, I had to splice it together slightly inelegantly. It's going to sound a lot better for episode two, where um, Jack's got the um got one ready to um got like a proper like title sequence one that's like title sequence length of about I don't know is it thirty to forty seconds as opposed to a minute, something um, or, like that. Yeah, basically, and um, so it's going it, it sounds just a bit tighter, I think, going for yes. episode two, which is great, you know, because I think, yeah, really wants to show off the best of the wonderful work Jack's done on that, I think, yes. and yeah, and I, I think he did it as a sort of spooky Delia sound Derbyshire, Derbyshire style remix, basically, which I think
3: actually fits really well with the tone of what Christmas loans going for especially. Yes. So,
0: yeah, yes.
1: yeah was, I was going to yeah. say it harks back more to the the classic series than the um, mm. 21st century series, doesn't it?
2: Yes. Yes, mm. it absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, on the on the soundtrack, the title that he asks for on it was Derbyshire Remembered. Mm. Mm-hmm. That
1: was it. Yes. yes. Okay. So you're saying there's, um, there's 12 episodes in the series altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. So they've all been fully written. And they've all been fully recorded. Um, I
0: think, no, I think we're waiting on a guest part still, but that'll be very, that should be coming through very soon now. So it's really, um, and that's like far, quite a ways down in the series, down the line in the series. So everything that immediately needs to be done, we're just just on post-production at this point. We've got, we're kind of, we've got a few editors working on the series. Kevin did episode one, Um, the lovely Patrick Blickman, um, um, yeah, kind of shared responsibilities with me um, editing episode two. Um, and yeah, so um, yeah, and um, yeah, Krista McTyre's also come on. She's done a fabulous job with the later episode two. So we've been working on a few episodes at once between us and some. Um, yeah, then, um, yeah, Jack and Slophers are working through the um, score currently for episode two, which is very, very near finished now, and then yes. we'll kind of keep that process moving along so that um, with the episodes that are ready to go for them next, so that hopefully we'll be, yeah, getting through an episode every couple of months is the sort of aim, yeah, without wanting to put too definite a uh, time span on it because we all have lives and we all have um, jobs outside and we all have other projects that we work on and you know I don't yeah because this is a fan project because it's a voluntary thing I don't want to put undue pressure on people to um yeah yeah to um have to work to ridiculously strict deadlines basically it's you know this is a thing we want to be doing for fun you know free time when we're able to basically and yeah releasing it when we're ready and it's and' we're, and we feel it's the best it can be
2: basically yeah and I can confirm that Andrew is very good about this stuff and very like professional and courteous and everything well, it's, yeah helps, helps that you guys are you know very very lovely to work with um, yeah you can't see because it's an audio medium but I am dabbing <laughs> <laughs> as a mark of respect <laughs>
1: In terms of score, is that is that do you um, do you kind of compose the score once everything else, once all the dialogue and everything's edited together?
2: It's the only way it works. Mm-hmm. The scene has to be edited with like the proper timings and everything. Otherwise, mm-hmm. and I've tried, if 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 I try to compose for a scene before like the timings are locked in, then there's just no way to go and know what's going on mm-hmm. because like the sort of rough cut for an episode just putting the lines in order the timings are completely off so like trying to compose for like an action scene when you don't know when things are going to happen that it's just nonsensical so that that is part of why it's a pretty long production cycle because you do have mm. to like have a scene entirely done except for the music and then you do the music so mm. you, 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 there's there's not really shortcuts mm. yeah yeah that's
0: Seconding that entirely, hits, yeah, that's yeah, that's what we've realised as we've worked on that. That's the only way to make it work, really. And yeah. so, like, yeah, we have a process where, like, I've been doing like rough cuts for all the episodes I did for Christmas alone as well, which I've got co-editing credit with um, Kevin on that episode. Um, well, well, I the like I just spliced the dialogue in order, um, and then the. Um, sound editor whoever's the main sound editor for that episode um then adds in the sfx they make sure the dialogue's properly timed so that it sounds like characters are actually speaking to each other rather than um yeah the doctor saying hello Ella, come look at this what's that doctor <laughs> you know it's, um, yeah. you know, you don't have that kind of awkward stilted nature to it. it actually sounds like they're you know talking to each other um yeah and then um, and then and, yeah, they also add the effects. They might, you know, they try to yeah, balance things out as well. And, yeah, like Lofa said, then, um, then, then Jack both put their stuff together, basically.
1: Yeah, so I guess everybody recording in isolation, that that's going to come up with, um, yeah, like different sound quality issues and that type of thing. Is thats mm-hmm. that quite tricky? Um, yeah, there's some... Um, Yeah, generally we've been we've been quite lucky with that. I mean, we do have to make mic
0: quality a thing where um you know like actors have to have good mic quality basically. Um, And yeah, some I think sometimes like you know we've had uh, yeah I think I've noticed with some episodes actors have had good sound quality when I've listened to them alone and they do just sound slightly different. Um, We didn't have that with Christmas alone. Luckily, it's all all the microphones sounded very crisp and worked very nicely. Um, other episodes, that's going to be, that may be a bit more noticeable, I think, for some actors, that are a bit obviously in different places, you know, recording in their homes. But for the most, but, you know, I'm still know it'll still sound, I think, good enough for the type of thing we're making. Um, you know, I think, yeah, with some good sound editing, it can still sound pretty clear and consistent,
2: um, I want to highlight something that one mm. of our editors who goes by the screen name Echo, who is no longer with the projects, but did a good, lot of work on the upcoming mm. second episodes, did for uh, Kimberly Chu's audio. Mm. Who uh, Kimberly Chu plays the character Faustina. That's, <laughs> I hope, not too big of a spoiler. But mm. uh, yeah, uh, Kim had mic quality that was noticeably below the rest of the, mm-hmm. the rest of the actors. So what was done there was we've, f- we figured, okay, well, this is an alien character and mm-hmm. there's stuff going on. Uh, I, I won't get too specific because I don't want to lose yeah. out the whole plot of the episode, but basically it's like, oh, well, it would make sense to just modify this character's voice so that there's an effect mm-hmm. as that can cover up the quality of the mm-hmm. mic And, yeah. uh, the way it's done it was, it's, it's just like makes not only that it covers up the quality quality of the mic so that it still sounds of a professional standard but also like it works for the character mm, and it helps yes. the storytelling
0: yes and that was the thing we um learned from our work on previous audio projects as well previous fan audio projects as well um let's go back to that was that yeah the um the yeah, basically, we realised that was a way around kind of lesser mic quality. And you can only do that if you've got, like, a character voicing an alien or um, a robot or something like that, basically. Someone someone it makes sense to give a filter to, basically, but it does mm-hmm. um, help brush up the mic quality a lot, basically.
1: And the second episode you mentioned is called Toxicology by
0: Tori Das. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, yes, Tori Das. She's um, She does a wonderful... Job with the script um, yes yeah, so, I'll yeah share the basic premise um, which is that yeah the doctor and Ella land on a planet called Trachmagalat, which has been water on for centuries and are uh, um, they discover um, yes life there that um, according to people who are building new um yeah kind of trying to build turn the planet into a museum basically um yeah they um according to um a ceo and a president they're trying to um turn the planet into a big old yeah basically a big old um, museum but there's they can't turn it into a museum because there's people living there up in the aftermath of the war trying to deal with the trauma that's come with that basically and um yeah, the doctrinella basically have to try and um, stop the conflict that's bubbling up again, basically on this um, war-torn planet. Um, yeah, I think Tori's written a wonderful script that you know builds out a really rich, complex alien world. This sort of harsh, forbidding environment that um, again has been reflected wonderfully in the score and in the um, in both um, in Echo's editing and in um, in loafers and um, Jack's score, and also um, yeah, in the um, yeah in the um, script basically, it, yeah, it kind of um, draws out some wonderful stuff for Ella's character and her journey um, at this early stage in the series, and um, for the Doctor as well. Also, it builds out just um, a lovely guest cast, um, Kimberly Chu, who. Um, mentions gives a wonderful performance um, in the role of Faustina um, and yeah it's it's yeah I'm really happy with what some come together on this and really excited to share it with people basically
2: uh, I can only speak to my own contribution to the episode in any depth but I have to say that uh, reading the script I was really impressed by how like meticulously constructed this is like there's mm-hmm. a there's no lack of professionalism to the, to the script at all. Like it's very like, uh, act one, act two, act three, act four, act five. And then the acts are like, act scene one, scene two, scene three, scene mm. one, scene two, scene two, scene three. Like it's very, uh, figured out. And like, Andrew, you were, you were telling me a little bit, I don't mm. know the full scope of this, but you were telling me a little bit about like, yeah. these like astonishingly detailed outline notes that. Yeah. Toy yeah. Gave yeah, you. yeah.
0: Yeah. She, um, yeah, so when she first sent me the um, script, uh plans for the script, um, I got this um, big old breakdown of um, kind of first the uh, kind of like, it would start with um, the synopsis, then the plot characters, the themes, basically. And like there'd, there'd be a plot breakdown with a scene-by-scene breakdown, just what, with a description of what happens in each scene, but then also, like, what the action beats were in that scene, what the character beats were in that scene, and um, kind of how they'd be pushing the themes and ideas of the story forward, basically. It's really... Yeah, thought through in a lot of depth by Tori, and um, she's yeah done a wonderful job with that. I think um, yeah cut, yeah touched on themes of anti-colonialism and um, of you know just um, of war and of um, kind of um, yeah the anger of people who've been oppressed and you know their right to kind of express that anger and how to do so in a constructive way um, and kind of a, violence and kind of the, um, yeah, effects that cycles of violence have on people. Um, and I think it's a really fascinating and wonderful story basically. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm just so excited to share it, Is it's a chance to yeah, bring the work of a really wonderful and talented writer into the, um, yeah, into the world as well. Cause, um, yeah, I think, I think Tori's, um, yeah, fiction deserves to be um, heard. Basically, uh, her voice deserves to be heard because she's a really excellent writer and
2: talent. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, since the since one of the main aspects of this story was this uh, indigenous pop- population, and that's like really core to the story, uh, I knew that one of the main Themes and motifs in the score had to be, like, for that. And uh, what I ended up figuring out was an adaptation of this old Union song, called which is known as the Chemical Workers song, and, uh, like, rearranging it so that it sounds almost like some sort of national anthem. And uh, it ended up semi-accidentally having a bit of a Lords of the Rings vibe, but it's also, like... Uh, from the start, I wanted it to be very spacey and very distinct from the score to Christmas alone, so to make it totally clear that we've stepped into a different space and give it a different feeling and texture. And uh, I understand we've done a good job of that. Uh, certainly, it's got like a lot more distortion in like the lines and stuff. Yeah, I no, you've done wonderfully. It's, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. really, really happy with how it's come together again the whole thing the whole score all the way through is synths. but in this episode especially i'm like i've stopped pretending that it's not synths. Hmm. (laughs) yeah if
0: i might give a shout out to um yeah going back to tori and her work i might give a shout out to her other work um she did wonderfully on this um yeah she's written fiction before um for um yeah i think published right now is um her short story for Arc Beetle Press um, for the series um, Lady Aesculapius. I think I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, Aesculapius, re- I think. Thank you, loafers. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I think it's um, episode six of that series, if I remember correctly. I think it's called Ten Thousand Bedtime Stories. Am I remembering that right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, ten thousand bedtime stories, which is yeah, that's a really lovely and beautiful story. Um yeah. Lady um Asculapius is um uh, sort of um a distorted mirror doctor who um yeah, parody slash um yeah, sincere kind of um yeah. Parody, but also kind of a sincere story in its own right as well, I think. Yeah, Would you say that's a fair way of describing it, Lifestyle? Yeah, it's, uh, it's in the same sort of
2: tonal place as the Community Paintball episodes, I would say, in that like it's kind of taking the piss, but it's also just kind of doing it. Yes, yeah. I think that's a good way of describing it.
0: Um, and yeah, Tori also wrote um, an episode of Clara Oswald, The Untold Adventures. We've got a lot of crossover between that series and um, this one.
2: Um, yes, the real sister series. And I'm also good. writing for that, and now so are you. Yes, I am now. It's true. Um, yeah, I've come on to help write episode eight of that. Um, and then Lotus is Rising episode nine? Yes. yes, the one right after you. So I yeah, think we will nice. be working pretty closely on that when the wheels are in motion. Yes. Um, but yes, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Again, Tori's written the episode
0: um, as you like it, I believe, for that one. So um, yeah, if you want to check out her fiction elsewhere, that would be, yeah, those would be places to start. Those would be projects to follow.
1: Fantastic. And we've got the trailer for Toxicology. uh, So
3: we'll hear that now. Trek Magdalene was the epicenter of a galaxy-spanning war.
2: Control, we have sighted zombies. No, we're not out of our minds. We need more people here immediately.
1: Get us out of here now, Control. Are you even listening?
3: It also has suffered the most, just short of being bombed out of orbit altogether. Ah, guns. How very traditional of you. But now that we've finally found peace, there is a need to preserve history. Every little bit that we can find. And there's no better place for it than the planet where it all began. Are your friends coming out on their own? Or do my people have to drag them out? This planet is so rich in artifacts, it's like every step we take is another look into our collective past. You're monsters. What does
2: humanity even mean to you? You just want more and more.
3: We cannot forget where we began. Wouldn't you agree, Doctor? We must remember to ensure that our new peace is never broken again. Say the word and there will be fire.
1: That's great. I cannot wait to hear that one. Um, and anything you can tell us about the rest of the series? Obviously, without any spoilers, but um, is, is there sort of a, a season arc? Um, are we likely to see any returning monsters, anything like that?
0: Yes, I can give you some. There will be returning monsters um, in the trailer. Um, we have the Ood. um and they're on, um, <laughs> they're on jet skis. They're on jet skis. they on jet skis, and uh, you know, like that that was—that's—that's was, that's just a trailer line, right there. I knew I had to include <laughs> that, really. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah. So um, yes, there are some other returning monsters who will keep under lids for now because that's to be revealed. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm excited for those too. Um, there will be, some, you know, I think we've got a good balance of. Um, Familiar faces from the series, or like bringing back concepts and settings and ideas from the um, from the um, yeah, from the TV series, while also um, trying to do some original, um, a good uh, mix of original concepts as well. That's kind of been the aim. We don't want it to be too um yeah to um law centric basically i think is the aim
2: there's a miss loose... Quill is meeting ace during the, ev- uh, the events of genesis of the daleks <laughs> Wow! yeah no yeah that's 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 what i wanted
3: to avoid really <laughs> um you know if you're going to bring back stuff you absolutely should. For um, I mean, frankly, if you had a good
0: story to do with um, Ace meets um, meets who? Sorry, who was the, Quill for, uh, during the events yeah. of Miss yeah. Quill. Miss meets <laughs> Ace in the gen- in Genesis. I mean, that does actually that's, sound amazing if you did it right. <laughs> uh, it's. Um, I didn't make that up. That that's real that happened okay well anyway <laughs> some, yeah well you know like fan fiction is the place to go wild with that stuff I think um so I don't want to begrudge anyone the right to do that um you know if you have a good story okay, for that fan fiction awesome. is absolutely the place to do bonkers law nonsense but um yeah I you know my my um my personal stance is you have gotta do these with a pinch of um yeah just just a little at a time just with a delicate touch um if, if you can do it right and hopefully yeah we've done that right um but you know also like fan fiction is a thing where you can you know make emotional beats out of um heavy lore references too, like um in Christmas Alone the Doctor makes um a lengthy refer- a lengthy speech about um, you know, the time war followed by what well, happened, followed by Trenzalore,
2: And I think I think it works in its own right. I hope it works. Um yeah, It because, occurs to me that it wouldn't push that way. Oh. Because okay, definitionally This show is fan service Because it is yeah. literally for the fans No one else is going to listen mm-hmm. to it So we, there's literally no reason For us to not talk about Such obscure concepts as and lore and River yeah. Song Yeah, I no, precisely that yeah. I understand why oh, Chris funny. Chibnall might be uh, Cautious mm-hmm. about Just dropping that stuff in In the show in yeah, series yeah, yeah. 13 or whatever But we're fine Yeah I agree. That's you know that's my stance. You know, precisely. It's you know
0: it's a fan series. You can do you can do that stuff if you want. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, we've we've got a few returning elements. Um, there is a story arc um, of sorts. It's a very loose one. We had a bit of a reference to it in episode one where the doctor found he couldn't get into the TARDIS due to some kind of time distortions. And yeah, that maybe that's, you know, there's a little bit of a mystery that seeded through there as to what's causing those. And we learn a bit more about that as what a as series goes on. Um, but yeah, like my aim was very much for that to be, uh, Bad Wolf style, this is a very loose thing that's kind of um, mentioned once or twice in the lead up to the finale type arc, you know, I'll be upfront about that, you know, my aim was never to do a complex, um, yeah, like, to go for, like, a complex Series 6 style, heavily involved story arc, I guess, with lots of, yeah, complex plotting. Um,
2: Yeah, I think if I was in your position, I would try to do that and fuck it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's, um
2: um yeah, but my, my aim was more you to whole so yeah, series six.
0: Yeah. But no, I do um I do <laughs> <laughs> I do um I do I did want to have like an arc though and there very much is one for and it's more about Ella and the Doctor, how they change and grow over the course of the series, how their relationship changes, how Ella is changed by her like I said, that's the story of Doctor, Who, I think, is how the companions changed by their time with the Doctor. So that's the story I wanted to tell over the course of the series, really. And that's what I think the series is really about. That's what the arc is, you know. In the same way that I think the arc of series one isn't Bad Wolf, really, it's how Rose is changed by her time with the Doctor, or the um, story of series eight isn't really the nether sphere and the promised land or anything to do with that, it's, um, you know, that's just teasers for the finale, really, the um, story of that series is how Clara and the Doctor's um, relationship grows and changes over the series, how... The Twelfth Doctor thaws out over the course of that series how Clara gets increasingly addicted to TARDIS travel. So, yeah, that's 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 the kind of story we're trying to tell. Um, there are a wonderful group of guest writers working on the series. I, I want to take as much chance to enthuse about them as possible, really. I've mentioned Tori, and I've um, fanboyed about her brilliant work a lot. Um, we've also got James Blanchard's Um writing an episode he's um, a short story writer um you can find he recently had a wonderful story um i think it was called the clockwork heart um published on the website second chance lit he's um yeah, i first
2: found him through just some wonderful fan fiction he'd written um I want to jump in there and say that you can also find another wonderful story by James Blanchard. Uh, He wrote Snow and Embers, which is in Mm. the 10,000th Dawn spin-off, How to Survive the Winter, which was edited by me. So, you know, I'm I'm being selfish in that regard. But James wrote (laughs) it entirely under his own steam, and it's, like, just gorgeous. Like, I I felt very lucky to just kind of happen upon his talents, you know? He's an astonishing writer. He really is. Yes. Um, and uh, How I to Survive Winter is available for free on the <laughs> 10,000 Dawns website, and you can just Google that name and it should come up. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, like, yeah, he wrote a story that um, is it's bursting with imagination. Um, it hops across timelines and settings, but it still tells a very um, intimate beautiful character story that I think might have made everyone who read the script cry. Um, genuinely, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a proper tearjacker. I'll, I'll tease that. And <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like it's, it's really, it's a really beautiful script that deals with some sensitive themes, some difficult themes really sens- with real sensitivity and real emotional intelligence and ease, yeah, and a lot of invention. And it also has one, for all that stuff, it also has one of the best action scenes in the series, I think. Like action scenes are really hard to do in audio, and he just knocked it out of the park. Um, we've got an episode by um, Lane Ferriero, um, A.L. Ferrier who um, yeah, wrote... Um, a beautiful little uh, piratical adventure. Um, yeah, a l- lovely little pirate story. Um, that's um, again, it's um, quite metafictional. Um, it's um, got some lovely political bites to it. It's it's got a wonderfully realised historical setting as well. Um, yeah, just I think I remember reading the script and just being really jealous of how good she was at <laughs> writing historical dialogue. It's, Specifically, yeah. you know, writing um, characters speaking in ways that are specific to the time period they're from, but like, yes. and it sounds beautiful and
2: gorgeous, but it doesn't yeah. sound like she's straining to do that. So I guess, you know. Yes, it's you know like. And if I may jump in again, this mm-hmm. is a ways down the line in the production schedule, but Jack Aaron and I have been instructed by Andrew to do a Pirates of the Caribbean Rift and I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm so stoked <laughs> yes. to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, yeah, no, that's yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and yeah, and yeah, Lane's another writer who's worked on um, yeah the Untold Adventures, um, yeah, and also on um, on um, Arc Ark Beetle anthology. In fact, she edited an anthology of her own as well um, for that for um, Arc Beetle. Um, yeah, you did How to Survive the Winter, correct? Lep? Yeah, I did How to Survive the Winter. Yes, and um, Lane did um, an anthology, Monsters Among Us, which yes, she wrote. yeah, wrote two stories for, um, as well as some. Um, yeah, editing yes. the whole project. Um, yeah. Yes, no, she's a really wonderful writer and a really lovely person. too, just really warm and sweet and kind. Um, I think. Yep, I'll. yeah, down to our last couple now. Um, yep, also had. Kevin Bernard, who, as you know, edited episode one. He wrote just a wonderfully entertaining um, heist story. He, he's done the aforementioned Ood story, um, yes. and it goes to all kinds of places. Um, yeah, it's funny and zany and inventive, but it's also, I mean... Kevin has this thing for just having a savage dark streak to his writing as well, um, and like just pushing mm-hmm. characters to places that are entirely true to that character. But you're like, oh gosh, can you take the character that far without way without? breaking them basically yeah. um, and he does he pulls it off but it's um, and so you get just yeah you expand the range of what you can do with your characters when a writer like that joins um, the series but it's um, yeah it's, it's a really it's one I'm excited to share with everyone basically um, oh, and then last we've got a script by Isabel Pellick and um, sorry we've got a couple of the writers Isabel Pellick and Caitlin Smith and um, worked together on episode nine, Caitlin Smith, um, design, um, yeah, kind of outlined the story and Isabel Pellet wrote a beautiful script to that outline, basically. Um, yeah, it's, it's an, it's another alien world story with some environmental themes, um, that I think is, yeah, savagely smart. Um, it's got some top notch character work and again, just some gorgeous dialogue. Um, Include yeah, including one of my favourite lines about pastry ever. That's that's my um that's my little teaser for that one, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, and then last of his own um, Ruth Long, who also wrote for um yeah who um yeah along with Caitlin is uh, Caitlin Smith is the um, creator and um, showrunner for um the head writer for. Um, Clara Oswald, The Untold Adventures and um, yeah, Ruth co-wrote an episode with me, basically. Um, I wrote yeah, much like the um, thing with um, Caitlin and Isabel Ruth wrote an outline and I wrote the um, I wrote the um, script, but yeah, like I couldn't, yeah, like writing a script to Ruth's outline was honestly an utter joy because she gives such detailed plans and it made the writing the script such an easy process Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I she absolutely give a shout out to her work. Like she, due to her commitments to the um, Untold Adventures, she wasn't able to um, write a whole script herself. But it was really a joy to work with her on that story. And a couple of the lines of dialogue are ones that she put into the plan that I just had to include because they were that good. They were just really, um, yeah, lovely, lovely lines. Really clever stuff. And yeah, she helped um, helped put together a story that might be my favorite one that I worked on in the series um yeah so that's yeah that's that's what you have to look forward to wonderful scripts from guest writers some new stuff some old stuff a little story arc but also just a wonderful journey that the characters are going to be going on I think that I'm really excited to share with people
1: and I noticed Ruth had a cameo in Christmas alone as well
0: yes she did um it's, it's just very funny to me, the idea of um, getting Ruth, the loveliest person I know, one of the loveliest people I know, and everyone who knows her will say this about her. A comically uh, nice person. Yeah, a comically <laughs> nice person to just play a complete and utter Karen, you know. It's, uh, yeah, basically just to play the the worst type of, um, you know, worst <laughs> type of customer. It's, um, yeah,
1: that it was, um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, when she saw credits, I wondered if the name was deliberate. mm, Yes, it was. (laughs) I was
0: actually like, the script was written before Karen became a meme, but when I was like, basically I just changed the name in the credits, because I was like, yeah, like she was originally Mean Lady or something, I was like, no, she's going to be Karen now, that's just obvious, (laughs) it's, uh, (laughs) that's got to move with the times, you know. I Also, want to say that, like, the Muzak version of Deck the Halls is something that Jack wrote especially, and it's like the best worst thing that we've written <laughs> for the whole thing. It's cursed, mm, it's very cursed in the best way possible. Yeah, okay. do um, yeah, do check out the series and listen to us. Um, we're the 12th Doctor Fan Audios on YouTube. Um, that's yeah, that's the channel name. Um, you should be able to find us. Um, we're also at dw fan audios on twitter um, so you can yeah those are the places you can find us and get news on the series and yeah we also have a website the 12th doctor fan audios at wordpress.com so those are the places to go for um, news about the series basically and um, yeah to keep in touch with what we're doing we've got some stuff coming out that i'm excited to share we're um we've got the main episodes we've also got a lovely um we've got some lovely um shorts to come out we um my um yes. friend audrey wrote a delightful um little shorts um for the channel called um heaven sent which we've called heaven sent in shakespearean verse it's just the doctor's opening monologue from heaven sent but done as um um in the in the um ver- in shakespearean verse basically um the um that Lopez wrote a lovely kind of Elizabethan style score for.
2: Um, Yes. Yes. That was just an adaptation of the music from the stars of Mm heaven sent. And it was like, it was really fun. It was, uh, it was nice to do something very fancy and proper, you know, make myself seem smart. (laughs) (laughs) And,
0: um, yeah, we've also got, um, coming up very shortly this weekend, actually, um, at the time of recording, um, might be out by the time this is out. Um, we've got a little, um, short of um prequel um to episode two um that was written by kimberly chu who plays um faustina that so, um yeah i'm really looking forward to share i'm um, sharing as well
1: fantastic well, i'll put links to to everything in the show notes to the podcast um so finally if you just let our listeners know where we can find you two on twitter or anywhere else on the internet okay so yeah you can find me at um Scarves and
0: celery, or I think it's at scarves and c um, on Twitter. Basically, that's where I talk about fandom nonsense. Um, yep, I share my non Doctor Who writing at um, at Andrew underscore underscore nineteen ninety four. Um, I'm Andrew Davis, write, comma writer. Um, that's my. That's where I share my writing that's not fanfic, basically as well. So, if you want to check out. Um, silly short stories and poems written by myself. That's where to go. Um, if you want to hear my bad opinions about Doctor Who, go to my Twitter,
2: basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, if you want to hear the score in isolation, then you can go to Mark markloaferslaugherty.bandcamp.com. That's M-A-R-K-L-O-A-F-E-R-S-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y.bandcamp.com. Uh, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Rights. I have a podcast called Reading Player One, which you can find on YouTube and on Anchor.fm and on Spotify and various other platforms. And uh, the Anchor.fm page has a link to every other platform that it's on. I believe there's about six. Fantastic.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been great speaking to you. Um, Really kind of whetted my appetite and the listeners' appetite for the rest of this series. Um, so if anyone hasn't listened to Christmas Alone, uh, check that out. It's absolutely brilliant. And, and best of luck with everything. Thank you very much for
2: having us. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>